0: All right, joining me now, he is our fantasy football expert here at PFF and the co-host of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast with Dwayne McFarland. I said we would have him back here when he was on in June. We have him back. It is Ian Hard. It's Ian. How are you, my friend?
1: Great day to be great, Ari. Good to talk to you again, man. Yeah, was going over some sleepers all the way back there in June. Hopefully, we helped out some people throughout the summer months. But I think we'll have a uh, quite a bit a uh, larger audience this time around with everyone's fantasy drafts around uh, around the corner.
0: Yeah, we are headed into the third and final week of the preseason. As you said, it means everyone is gearing up for their fantasy football drafts. I actually want to go through some of your favorite players and some of your not-so-favorite players as we get ready here for everyone to do their drafts. Before I do that, though, PFF has really become one of, if not the best place to get prepared for fantasy football with all the incredible tools and that are just it's just so easy to use and could guide everyone step by step and now everyone could also get PFF plus try it out for a full week and get the fantasy football guide i guess there's no better person to ask than you break down exactly what people are getting there in case they don't know yet
1: this is our kind of solution to like the modern draft guy you know i've helped contribute to the Many good publications in the past, nothing against those. But let's face it, Ari, you know, a lot of people don't have the time to flip through 300 pages of actual paper uh, these days. So, again, I think this was our best answer to what the modern 2022 draft guys should look like. Because, again, you can go and have the ability to search for a player, filter by position, filter by draft round, filter by sleepers, values, whatever you're looking for, man. It's, again, one, two clicks away on your phone in our lovely new PFF app, away from being right there for you. Once you find the player you want, the fact, you want you click on that, you get my rankings, my analysis. Dwayne McFarland's, Kevin, uh, excuse me, Nathan Yonke and Kevin Cole's as well. So again, all in one place, along with our PFF premium stats and projections. It's it's the closest thing we've ever been able to come up with to a true one stop shop um, for like everything you want to know about a fantasy player. So still even have uh, better things on the way. Also just having our draft uh, strategy tool, like we basically rigged it so you input what your draft type is, what your scoring settings are, you know where you're picking, and we actually give you round by round advice to help just lead you in the direction and do what we would do in drafts. And some of the DMS that Dwayne McFarlane and I have gotten of people showing us their teams. And it's like, was I like right there, actually drafting this with you? So I was, uh, you know, just kind of skeptical at first that it, it would even work. Cause I just, but, you know, shout out to all of our developers and everyone involved for really making this, again, the closest thing we've ever been able to do where, no, we can't. Unfortunately, Ari, we can't go and just draft for our subscribers every single time. But this is the closest we've been able to get to that. So, again, having all the analysis there just at your fingertips, having the Draft Now tool, and then also something we got coming up here with the Quad Force. We'll, uh, we'll see exactly when that gets rolled out. But really just looking at a fantasy player and whether you love a guy, you hate a guy, we kind of have the same four factors usually. There's talent, volume, audience offensive environment and then also just the matchup factor and we really just i think have done a great job graphically using all of our pff premium stats showing that and you know just kind of giving in my opinion we're, we're giving it to even the casual fantasy player or the super advanced fantasy player as much or as little information as you want to consume so I, I understand Ari, that not everyone's gonna be you know completely in the weeds like i am 365 days a year but if you want to be you know you can basically have as uh, a as, as little or as much you know involvement from one if you just want to know who's ranked as the first player great If you want to know exactly why, we have that too. So check it out. PFF Plus, free trial for a week. Why the hell not?
0: Exactly. And, and really, the graphics are exceptional. I'm someone who's very into like the way it looks to my eye. If it looks good, I'm going to jump in to see how it all goes. I have my draft the night before the season. So Wednesday night, I've been playing around with all the tools, checking it out, playing with it just to see how it all works. I've never seen something like this. Like this is truly next level. I'm not just in because I work for the company, but really because I have it. I check it out. I go on there. And I can leave, and it really makes me understand exactly how I should run my draft, even though I've been doing it for years. But to get to see everything and play around with it, everyone should check it out. Go to pff.com, get your free trial, and just play around with it, and you'll be stuck there. That's just the way it is, and that's the way it's been with me as well. All right, let's jump into this here. We'll do, I guess, your ride or dies for this season. We'll go position by position. I'm going to start off with the running back position. And um, I guess who are some of your favorites there and why? And then I'll give you a name or two that I'm thinking about. I want to get your opinion as well.
1: So I'm cheating a little bit. I'm going to name a few guys here. But I really think... The round two running back pool is as good as it's ever been. We're used to having to draft, you know, these three down workhorse running backs in round one. And they're still there, you know, the McCaffrey's, the Derrick Henry's, Jonathan Taylor's of the world. They will cost you a round one pick, but there's a legit handful of guys in round two that I'm consistently taking ahead of the Debo Samuels, ahead of the Mark Andrews and just some, you know, the A.J. Browns of the world, just some wide receivers that, yeah, they're awesome. But there's a lot of awesome wide receivers out here, and we unfortunately have questions starting with about the wide receiver 8, wide receiver 9. I'm content basically taking the last man standing from there and going after some of these round 2 running backs. Saquon Barkley, someone that is still going as you know a bottom 10, not bottom 10, but ADP, RB10, or lower in some of these leagues. And I just think the more and more you look at his workload, who else they to give the ball to? Matt Rita for maybe a few snaps a game. Like this is an offense set up to feed Saquon the ball, specifically through the air. And I think when you just look at his workload, he really has a round one workload at that round two price. I think the same thing can be said for Leonard Fournette, who even goes all the way into round three. You know, they drafted Rashad White. The guy has some good receiving skills, but man, just listen to Byron Leftwich talk about that chemistry between Tom Brady and Leonard Fournette. Another player that I just don't think is going to leave the field. DeAndre Swift, Aaron Jones, you know, Javante Williams, Alvin Kamara. Like, if you really want a player who's round two, but the second we actually have to file our week one rankings, like Alvin Kamara is going to take such a big jump. We've gotten the legal situation as cleared up as I think we could hope for, but this is why he's going as like the RB10, RB11. Alvin Kamara is someone that Normally, is just cemented in the top five, top three. You want to put him top one, no one's really going to disagree with you, and we can now get him in round two. So it is possible to start a draft with three straight wide receivers. Dre McFarland and myself went through that exact strategy. But just as someone that's you know done 50-plus drafts to this point in the offseason, I, I, I consistently feel much better when I can get at least one or two running backs in those first three rounds because the pickings, I think, are just better than ever in terms of the available
0: workhorses. You know, you mentioned Saquon Barkley, and I was actually going to ask you about him in particular because obviously he has not been the same since his rookie year. He's entering a contract year, and we all know players who enter contract years, they want to go off in that year in particular. He actually went on a podcast recently and talked about his mindset for this year. I want to play that video because Saquon rarely gives us headlines, and, and whenever he talks to just regular, this was a very fiery Saquon. Let's play that video here.
2: Do I feel like I'm back? I feel like I'm better to be completely honest, I'm older now. I'm 25. Uh, I've been through some stuff, uh, you know, ups and downs. Um, And now I'm in a situation where, you you know me, I I always have the mindset of always being counted out. But now it's actually here. It's actually real. Um, People are really counting me out. People are trying to write me off. And I don't really do it for the pleasure of others or, or, you know making other people satisfied I, I do it because i just want to be great uh but now i have that extra motivation the extra motivation to to push me to go out there and, and kind of just be like you know what shut everyone up because last year it was more like dang the game was taken away from me I, I i never had a season when i didn't go play go and play football now it's kill mindset now it's like you know what F- everybody like i'm ready to go crazy um and i'm gonna let the world feel me
0: All right, that was from the second win podcast. Again, Saquon never goes that deep and just talks about like that. Like, again, final year of his contract. I feel like people are forgotten about him. Everyone's been talking more about Daniel Jones than Saquon, which is also very interesting people forgot about him he feels like that's really what's going on over here and he wants to go off I agree with you I think he's one of those guys this year who I'm really targeting in that second round assuming that he is there and he has been there for me when I've been doing some mock draft let me ask you about a different running back um, I guess running back room actually in Denver how do you forecast that situation there with Javante Williams Melvin Gordon it feels like we've gotten some clarity but it's not fully clear for everybody
1: thing with Denver is, no, I don't think Devontae is going to get this 80, 90% just workhorse role, but there's only a couple guys that do, and they're being drafted like in the first round. Like it's in the year 2000, I think it was like 19 different running backs had over 300 touches. Last two years, there's been four. So it's just a different game. We can live with two running back committees. Things get awfully messy when we start getting into three and four, the New England's, you know, the Raiders of the world now, I think. So with Javante, man, you look at what he was able to do last year, like he I had almost 250. Fifty touches in seventeen games. Like he doesn't need that much of a boost to be someone flirting with that three hundred touch mark. I think both he and Melvin Gordon can be values currently where they're going. And you know, it is one of these things where we got to be careful at the quotes we tend to pick out during this time of the year. You see it, you know, on Twitter. Ari, like someone will. Uh, we had the thing earlier in camp where a reporter. Said Isaiah Spiller was like getting first team reps, and she followed up her tweet and was like, Hey, actually, you know, I noticed later these other guys were too. Uh, update, you know, the original tweet gets 5,000 likes, the update, the correct one gets 60. Mm-hmm. So it's just one of those things where when we see the Melvin Gordon quote, like, Oh, you know, they want Javante to be the guy, it's important to try to look at the entire context. So I did actually pull that Melvin Gordon quote and look at the entire thing. And he said, Yeah, I think they want Vontae to be the guy, but we do rotate. He'll take the first series and then the second series with the number one offense. I'll take. Sometimes we switch, but you just kind of know how it is. So, Javante, he's going to be the 1A, and that's fine for me at the end of the second round into the early third, because we're talking about an offense that could flirt with top 10 status under Russell Wilson in a division that's just going to be playing one shootout after another. So, Javante still has the profile of these running backs we're looking for. Yeah, don't get carried away. Like, don't take him as a top five, top six running back, but you don't have to. So, I would say, though, also on the other side of things, don't forget about Melvin Gordon. Like, if we're talking about guys with a chance to be this years, James Conner, just someone that actually has pretty nice standalone value in their own right, but one injury away from going off. You know, we always talk about what if Melvin Gordon was gone? What would Javante do? On the other side of that coin, man, if Javante for some reason was forced to miss time, we have seen Melvin Gordon. You know, how many thousand plus yard 10 touchdown seasons does this guy need to rip off in order to be considered a pretty dang good running back so melvin gordon daryl henderson michael carter a lot of those guys that are kind of the forgotten man because of just the sexier younger running back in that uh, backfield don't forget about them because we do have those uh rare situations flex with benefits as uh, we like to call them where you have that uh, potential for standalone value not feel great but legit just one injury away from getting a featured role
0: yeah, and when they brought back Melvin Gordon, there is real money there, like real guaranteed money for him to be back there. So it does feel like they are going to be using both guys. I want to stick actually in the AFC West for one more before we go to receivers. Do you feel any concern with the Raiders who just released Ken and Drake? It's been a little bit interesting with how they've been handling Josh Jacobs. Do you feel any concern there with their running back room of how they're approaching it with Josh McDaniels? Yeah, and we
1: talk about contract year thing and for Jacobs and the Raiders it's so weird man having a new coaching staff like when they declined the fifth year option for him some people look at that and like wow they're really going to get the most out of him here I look at it and it's like man they they're actively telling us they want don't want the guy on the team next year I'm not sure they're going to completely feature their offense around him this year so Josh Jacobs is it's unfortunate man because I I put him in the same kind of tears like Antonio Gibson and uh some of these other guys where I think he can be a three down running back when we've seen them throwing the ball he can do it but my goodness man like we saw what Josh McDaniels did to us for the past decade in New England making this backfield just a nightmare to get a hold of and that's what I think we're going to be seeing here in Las Vegas so yes Kenyon Drake's out of the picture good now the the four running back committee is seemingly down to three, but it's still going to be three. You know, with, with Josh Jacobs probably leading the way, we're going to see a lot of Samir White, though, on early downs. And also, Amir Abdullah is probably going to be that pass down back. And historically, man, in New England, the pass down back has been the one position that we get the most fantasy upside out of. And full PPR scoring, we want those receptions, man. So, yes, Damon Harris scored 15 touchdowns last year he was the rb20 in ppr points for game we're always chasing that legarrett blunt season when he scored 18 right. touchdowns he was only the rb15 in ppr <laughs> points for game that year the actual best new england running backs have been james white and even like shane vereen who had an rb8 season back in the day so when i look at the raiders man Josh Jacobs going round four, round five. Like to me, that is the definition of the RB dead zone. That's the area where I'm still taking upside wide receiver twos. Guys like Mike Williams are slipping there. Jerry, Judy, Gabriel Davis, Amon Ross St. Brown. I want all those guys ahead of backs like Jacobs, like Gibson, like Elijah Mitchell, even. And honestly, at that range of the draft rounds five or six, you can still get guys like Kylo Murray and Jalen Hurts as well. So it's, yeah, there might be a pathway of success for Jacobs, but for me, after you see kind of Travis Etienne and Zeke go about that kind of end of round three, you just start looking at running backs that you don't like, and there's enough value later with guys like Chase Edmonds, Cordero Patterson, that I think you can make up for the running backs later, so like, don't be afraid to leave your first five or six rounds with you know five wide receivers potentially because if you just really want to build that strength i think that's a far better route than you know taking a running back that you don't love just because you want to see that running back spot in your roster field
0: so i guess strategy wise for these 10 to 12 team leagues would you recommend going heavy on receivers or going heavy on running backs when you're going when you see a bird's eye view of all these positions right now how would you attack your draft right now for those 10 to 12 team leagues
1: you know, typically, so every draft can be different. If the yes. things fall my way, I'll take five straight running backs. Probably not five, but you, you know what I'm saying. Usually, if the draft is going my way, just and kind of going around. Usual ADP, I try to leave the first three rounds with two running backs, and I would say by the time I get to round seven, I like to have three or four wide receivers with the quarterback and maybe a tight end at that point. So, I I think roster construction, particularly in best ball formats, people get a little too worried about the over like after 18 20 rounds like how many players do i have these position i think it's more important to really after rounds 10 or 11 have you know your two i would say two or three running backs by that point five at least four or five wide receivers one quarterback and one tight end because that's kind of the spot where once you get into round 15 you know if it's a running back wide receiver question we're kind of throwing a dart anyway so who cares if you can get those positions though before round 11, you're still going to be dealing with top 100 players that I think you can actually feel good about. So just having guys like Chase Edmonds, Kareem Hunt, Cordero Patterson even going in like the rounds eight, nine spot. Miles Sanders is someone that keeps dropping like I mentioned the RB dead zone. It's only an RB dead zone because of where they're going when there's all, already these awesome wide receivers and even right. the upside quarterbacks still available. They're, you know, the dead zone running backs can come back to life if their ADP falls uh, deep enough. So that's where I do see a little bit of a difference. So I would say especially, man, Chase Edmonds looking like the starting RB out of Miami and Kareem yep. Hunt, someone that, yeah, there's trade rumors. Man, there's a lot of offenses where Kareem Hunk is traded to the right one. All of a sudden, we're talking about a guy potentially going a hell of a lot higher. And if he stays in Cleveland, we've consistently seen him be a low-end RB2. And my guy, Cordero Patterson, like, hands up, Ari. One of my favorite players in the league. Yes, so yes, maybe a grand yes. salt, but... At this point, he is literally the cheapest starting running back in all of fantasy football. So don't hate the player, hate the ADP. And we have some pass-catching explosive running backs available later than ever to complement the early down workhorses.
0: Yep, and you mentioned Kareem Hoffman. I don't think he's getting traded there in Cleveland. I think they're going to be using him heavy also in the passing nice. game because they are really struggling with their receiver room right now. After Amari Cooper, is a lot of question marks there. I think he'll be involved the passing game. Do you think um, De'Aaron
1: yeah. Johnson will get moved then?
0: It's a movable contract. I don't know if he gets moved because I'm looking at Cleveland right now. Now that they know it's an 11-game suspension and Watson will be back, I think they're back into that all in method where we got to have all our players here. And when he comes back, hopefully we have a good enough roster. Jacoby does enough for us maybe wins five, six games, and we're in position to try to make a playoff push once he's back. So I think they intend to keep everyone. Again, in this next week, if there's an injury somewhere, they're able to get better value in the trade. Maybe something happens there. But as of right now, I would be surprised if they move any of their running backs. All right, let me flip over to some receivers here because that is a really deep position, it seems like. It feels like every year there's just endless options at that position. Um, Who are some of your favorites there and why once we get after the the big names i guess after the jamars and the cooper cups and justin jeffersons who are some of your guys you're targeting your um go your your ride or die guys i guess
1: I had an article just go up on pff.com just my top 12 sleepers guys going outside the top 10 rounds so outside the top 120 picks in most leagues and these are just players that I really think are priced a lot closer to their floor than their ceiling so hopefully you can get these guys and you know most drafts you're going to enter but Bengals wide receiver Tyler Boyd he's my wide receiver 45 going off the board wide receiver 50 back-to-back seasons being the wide receiver 36 and yeah it's going to be Jamar Chase and T Higgins getting most of the targets in Cincy we saw that but 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 again, back-to-back seasons as a wide receiver 36, he's going 14 picks past that. And we have seen, man, in the rookie season where Jamar Chase obviously wasn't on the Bengals yet for Joe Burrow, and even in the couple games that T. Higgins missed last year, Like, if one of those wide receivers goes down, With all due respect to the other Mike Thomas, the wide receiver four in Cincinnati, I don't see him just stepping in. I see Tyler Boyd actually getting a massive target bump. So, you know, there's a few offenses, like led by Tom Brady and Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, I'd say, maybe a couple more, where we can't actually get behind a wide receiver three. And again, in Cincinnati, this is one of them. So, love Tyler Boyd. Rondale Moore, someone that I've consistently been well ahead of consensus on this year, my wide receiver forty-six. ADP wide receiver 61, man, we asked Cliff Kingsbury in March about it. And he said, Christian Kirk's gone. You know, we can't wait to feature Rondale on the slot. Asked him in August. He said the same. Thing we keep trying to figure out who's going to be taking all the Chase Edmonds targets. Maybe it's their second round pick who already played a bunch of you know gadgety snaps as a running back last year. So Rondale again going outside the top 60 receivers, even if he's relegated back to that gadget role after Hopkins suspension, I think the value you can get in the top six weeks almost makes him worth it at that price alone. Or he's just their starting slot receiver now and is going to be perfectly fine in his own right. Three more quick ones. Jahan Dotson, first-round wide receiver for Washington. He's going to be playing an every-down roll out of the gate. Still going a good 10, 15 spots past the other first-round rookie wide receivers because I think people are still thinking it was a reach. They didn't have him ranked high enough right. in their mocks. So it's just still playing catch-up with him. So keep on buying Dotson outside the top 60. Bill's wide receiver, Isaiah McKenzie, he keeps rising up. Not high enough, man. We're still looking at a legitimate starting slot receiver. The role that got Cole Beasley 100-plus targets in each of the past three seasons. And, you know, throw Buffalo in that, obviously, back into that group of offenses I mentioned, where, yeah, a lot of times we only want to deal with the number one to number two. But, man, Josh Allen's number three wide receiver. Going outside the top seventy wide receivers, give me that eight days of the week, and finally uh, wide receiver Josh Palmer for the Chargers. So yeah, it's it's not rocket science here, man. I'm fine taking at big time discounts, the number three wide receiver in some of these offenses, if we have reason to believe they're good enough to actually step up, if just one bad thing happens, and if the bad thing doesn't happen, I still think they can provide some value, so Josh Palmer, saw him flashing all over the place against the Cowboys the other day, which is great, you know, we want to see the guys doing good, but the bigger thing for him is just the constant drumbeat out of uh, camp, mostly from Daniel Popper over at the Athletic out, just saying that he has a real chance to overtake Jalen Guyton as that, you know, legit number three in the offense, and I really think it anything happens to either Keenan or Mike Williams, two guys that Let's face it, don't have the best injury yes. history, you know, going back over the years. As we saw last year, Palmer quickly elevated himself, saw those uh, routes go through the roof, really, and do good things uh, with the added opportunities. So it's one of those things where even if, you know, McKenzie, Palmer, uh, Rondale, Boyd, let's say you're not the biggest fan of those guys, I think we can all agree that Burrow, Kyler, Josh Allen, Herbert, those are the quarterbacks that we want running the offenses for uh, the wide receiver. So again, go all these guys going well outside the top 10 rounds of drafts of all shapes and sizes, uh don't be afraid to get pieces of these awesome offenses when you can be
0: i want to ask you about two guys in the nfc west a little bit different situations one this guy i'm very high on i want to hear what you think about alan robinson with the rams that's number one number two i'm curious to know what you think about where to draft deandre hopkins who has a six game suspension so th- those two guys where are you with them
1: Alan Robinson pulling up my handy-dandy ranks right now. Oh, he's updated in PFF Plus, as we mentioned earlier. But yes. Alan Robinson, he's one of those guys that I think, you know, I'm not trying to hit anyone Everyone loves him, and he's got a high ADP, like, accordingly. So he's my wide receiver uh, 25. He's in that upside wide receiver 2 range. I mentioned this before, but one of the reasons why I think I'm so content taking running backs in rounds 2 and 3 is because, man, when you go from, like, I have Mike Williams as my wide receiver 13. I have Allen Robinson and DK Metcalf and Brandon Cooks at wide receiver 25 and 27. Like the wide receiver two range, all these guys usually have one kind of red flag, but there's a lot of really good things to like about them. If you wanted to just completely flip-flop that tier, I would disagree with it. I have them ranked for a certain way, but I really do think it's one big tier. So we continuously see these guys, particularly Mike Williams and home leagues, falling well into round four or five. So I love Allen Robinson. I'm fine taking him in round five when he's there. I'm not going to go out of my way to reach on him, you know, versus some of these other guys. Jerry Judy, Michael Thomas, Corland Sutton, Deontay Johnson, Jalen Waddle. I think all these guys are in a big tier. And I'm just going to take the Three down workhorse running back, and hopefully have not. Hopefully, we will have one of those wide receivers fall back down to us. So hopefully, uh, you know the Matthew Stafford elbow thing doesn't become a problem, though. Yeah. Man, that's the uh, that's the DK Metcalf question because we we saw what happened with Metcalf going from Russ to Geno or Drew Locke or whoever we're going to get. And yeah. I just wanted to ask, you know, if we if we go from Matthew Stafford to John Wolford, like would Cooper Cup be a wide receiver that we have outside the top twenty four like we do for DK Metcalf? maybe man, hopefully we don't have to answer that question this year. Uh, And then who was the other guy? Oh, Deandre Hopkins.
0: Deandre Hopkins. Yeah. I'm very curious about that just because of the six game suspension, we know what he could do on the field, but now that he's off the field, where are we taking him?
1: It is interesting with, he's just one of those guys where, yeah, we're drafting him basically round seven ish, sometimes round six right now. But the second he is on the field, he's going to be right back in, I would say the top 15, if not 12 at the wide receiver position as soon as he's there. So, It depends on the roster construction. If I find myself getting a lot of running backs early, I don't like Hopkins as my second or third wide receiver off the board. But if it's one of those things where I've drafted four wide receivers, I know that I don't have to really worry about Hopkins for the first six weeks because I have plenty of other options there. I'll take Hopkins instead of like one of these running backs that I'm not a massive fan of. So if it's Hopkins or Josh Jacobs or something, like I'm fine taking DeAndre Hopkins, uh, not to make this the shit on Josh Jacobs hour. But uh, and then also, man, like I talked earlier about Rondale, what I've done a lot in some of these drafts uh, alongside Joy McFarlane, you can find Mm -hmm. on the YouTube, uh, PFF YouTube channel, where we actually just literally do live drafts. You can hear kind of our thought process. Like we've landed Hopkins on a couple of these teams. And again, Five plus rounds later, we just take Rondeo more late, and you basically have your you know solution to what to do during the first six weeks without DeAndre Hopkins. So one kind of ideology we have in fantasy is it's not a great idea to stack players on the same team because for both, you know, there's that one of them kind of has to bust in order for the other one to have to ball out. That's why you don't really want Zeke and Tony Pollard on the same fantasy team. You'd rather have Zeke and like Alexander Madison and they could both have a great best case scenario without eating into each other. It changes though, when both the guys are pretty affordable. So Hopkins and Rondale, when you can guarantee that you're getting, you know, that big of a piece of the Cardinals passing game throughout the entire season with a mid-round pick and a late-round pick, I'm fine signing up for that.
0: Got it. Yeah, I've been doing a couple of mocks as well, and I've been wanting to take DeAndre because my mindset is I'm thinking about the playoffs right now, not yeah. about week one, two, three or four. But I do like the idea of maybe taking Rondell more in the back end if I'm able to get him just to pair those two guys up and find my solution through the first six weeks. I do like that. I never really thought about it. That is um a great plan for people here listening. All right, let's, let, let's move over to tight ends here, which is another very interesting position every year because it feels like it's very top heavy. And then from there, it drops a little bit bit who are some of your guys here this year I'm going to ask you about one guy in particular as well Irv Smith missed all of last year is once again sitting out right now nursing a thumb injury but he should be ready for week one how are you feeling about him in this new Kevin O'Connell offense which I think will be pass heavy
1: Amazing, man. I've been beating this drum all offseason, calling Irv, you know, just my favorite late round tight end. And he really stopped becoming a late round tight end as we got closer to week one. I think everyone saw what I thought was pretty clear that, you know, All this chatter about Justin Jefferson and the Cooper Cup role. The dude just had arguably the best (laughs) two-season stretch to start a career ever. Like, who cares about the Cooper Cup role? Justin Jefferson's fine doing whatever he's doing. If he goes from, you know, 160 targets to 180, great. But he's going to be fantastic, just like he's always been. Regardless, I care more about the fact that Kevin O'Connell, coming from the Sean McVay tree, they ran 11 personnel, three wide receivers, more than just about anyone, meaning K.J. Osborne now is going to have an every-down role put him in that same kind of group of wide receivers I talked about earlier, the potential upside wide receiver threes and also Irv Smith in that Tyler Higby role. So I get it. Higby, not exactly a fantasy star, but he does play more than just about any tight end. Like he is out there for almost hundred percent of the snaps who'd they bring in as Irv Smith's backup, Johnny Munt, who's just been the Rams blocking tight end. Like you could not ask for a better (laughs) number two tight end who is not going to steal away your number one tight ends target share. So I think it's a massive, at, look, we don't want players to get hurt, but the fact that Irv Smith got hurt and he's seemingly, like you said, going to be back for week one, it's been good reports ever since he got injured. Mm-hmm. We don't want him to get hurt, but the, just the fact that this has taken him from like tight end 11, tight end 10, all the way down to tight end 14, 15 by the time you guys are drafting, like none of those good things about his workload have changed. But he's just not out there for us to see it. Like if he had been playing in the preseason, and I think giving us the actual first-team snaps that we're expecting him to get. If we saw that with our eyes instead of having to project it, I think he would be going a lot higher. So, ersmith is the late-round tight end. I would still want probably – I wouldn't feel that comfortable with Ersmith as my first tight end off the board. I don't think you need to but based on where he's going, but definitely feel free uh, to fill up that second tight end spot with him at the back end of the drafts.
0: You know, yeah, he's another guy that I was targeting why I wanted to ask you. The other thing I wanted to ask you about is just taking a tight end early. And we know about the Travis Kelsey, but no Tyree kill. It's a bit of a question for me. And he's getting up there in age. Where are you with taking a tight end in the first two, three rounds in that area? Is that a strategy you would employ or not?
1: I need like the exact right players to be off the board in order to take them for Kelsey. Like at the top six, running backs and wide receivers are gone. I'll take them at pick thirteen. If I'm at the turn, I'm okay getting Kelsey. Anything earlier, like I'm not going to take him ahead of Adams or CD Lamb or some of these workhorse running backs. Mark Andrews, similar thing. Kyle Pitts, similar thing. I talked about that massive tier of the wide receiver two, of the wide receiver too. So if guys like Tyree Kill, Debo Samuel are going to be on the board, yeah, I'm going to take them ahead of Kyle Pitts. Even some of the running backs like Travis Etienne and James Conner. But once it becomes a question of Kyle Pitts and guys like Michael Pittman, Terry McLaurin, DJ Moore, now we're almost looking at a tight end that's projected for the same sort of receiving numbers as a bunch of these wide receivers. And again, there's so many of these wide receivers in the first four rounds to like. I really think there's something to be said about getting an Andrews in round two or getting a Pitts in round three. And maybe not the exact wide receiver you want still going to be there in round four, but you're still going to have a very good upside wide receiver, too, there to pick from. So, if the price is right with those guys, I'm happy for it. If I ever see them falling, absolutely. If not, though, I do like kind of the back range of tight ends you can get um, in terms of the Dallas Goddard, Dawson, Dawson Knox, and even Zach Ertz tier. So. The one big discrepancy I see with tight end pricing, and what world like are Dalton Schultz and TJ Hawkinson going closer <laughs> to Kittle and Waller than they are to Goddard and Knox and these guys. So for me, you know, seeing Goddard, Ertz and Knox going regularly in rounds seven through nine, this is what I was talking about earlier in terms of just it's not so much your overall roster construction through eighteen rounds. I think more so it can be rounds ten or eleven because once you get past the Goddard, ertz Knox tier, I, I do like Irv Smith but we haven't seen it. I would really like to get one of these more proven guys that are in an offense that we can trust, particularly Dawson Knox, man. He seems to be the guy where he had a great year last season, and sometimes when players have great years, instead of being like, hey, maybe he's actually a great player and a great offense, we say, ah, didn't see it coming. I doubt he can do it again. Regression, regression. So with Knox, man, yeah, maybe it's Gabriel Davis as the number two. Maybe it's Isaiah McKenzie, or maybe it's Dawson Knox, someone that I think, you know, we've seen just – they need to play him more than ever with the way kind of OJ Howard's been looking out there. So they might not have a better option than Dawson Knox to actually be featured a lot more in this offense. And again, just be Schultz and Hawkinson are going rounds five or six. That's fine. Like rank them ahead of Dawson Knox, but I will take Dawson Knox in round nine over Dalton Schultz round five, eight days
0: of the week. And Dawson Knox, by the way, talk about contract years. I know they want to do an extension there, but he's another one of those guys who's entering the final year of his contract there in Buffalo. So if they don't get a deal done here before week one, I could see a scenario where he's playing out his contract there and then maybe a franchise tag or maybe become a free agent after the season, if he's able to have a big year there in Buffalo. All quickly... uh, yeah. do, do
1: you have any uh, ideas where Mike Jusicki could be traded to?
0: I I did see Doug report that today, and I know that he just isn't a fit for what the Mike McDaniel offense is because of his blocking abilities, which really isn't great. I don't know exactly what's going on as of right now. I believe the way Doug reported it is that they're okay with talking about it. The thing is that he does carry basically an $11 million cap hit for this season, which – You could spread it out and and, and restructure it if you want to do a trade. But at the same time, teams are mostly set with their rosters and their cap um, construction um, for the season, and they want to save some throughout the year for other moves that are going to be made in season. So that big money part of it, is where it may become complicated, but it is definitely one to watch here um, in the coming week as rosters trim down to 53 because we always have those trades go down once those rosters are made. So, we'll What are see the team Cowboys teams. waiting for, man? They have all that, like the one the, team that could do it, no questions asked, is Dallas. Yeah. So the Cowboys are the one team that I was thinking about. The thing that I've been wondering about is just the way they've been handling this offseason the way they've been spending, as you've realized with they didn't pursue the Randy Gregory. They let Amari Cooper go. It just makes me wonder would they take on that contract, especially when they already have one franchise tag tight end on their roster. So I don't think they'll be wanting to put two of those guys have a $22 million cap aid with two tight ends on their roster for this year. So I don't think that would make sense. But again, I would keep a a close eye on that situation. I know Doug is very much dialed in with that. So keep an eye on um, PFF.com and Doug Hyde's Twitter to see if there are any new nup updates in the coming week all right let me quickly jump into the quarterbacks here we haven't talked about them first of all are you in the mindset don't take one early just wait because you could get a bunch of other ones later
1: i'm not taking josh allen basically in round three i'm not taking any quarterback in round three i i totally get my josh allen he should be the qb1 back-to-back years only quarterbacks ever do it three straight years were brett Favre and steve young in the 90s now josh allen has a chance to uh become the third guy ever so i get it but man I just, again, I like being a tier-based drafter. I think this just helps you not reach too much on guys. And Josh Allen in round three, Kyler Murray Jalen Hurts in round six. I'm taking the round six discount all the time because of the workhorse running backs and just volume hog wide receivers that are still going to be available in round three. So, yeah, not taking Josh Allen uh, that early. I will say that sweet spot with Hurts and Kyler a lot of times is where I'm taking my first quarterback because that just is the range of the draft where – at this point now we've had 30 or so wide receivers go off the board. So now all of a sudden it's Jalen Hurts versus guys like Drake London, Deandre Hopkins, you know, Elijah Moore, not saying those aren't still good wide receivers, but I think the chance to get one of these upside quarterbacks that when they have just the dual threat ability, we've seen them put up just true league winning bonkers seasons. And at that range with the running back position, I don't like it. That's when Schultz and Hawkinson are going at tight end. So it's not so much that hurts and Kyler, like it's just, I think them in and of themselves are fine in the round six. But what makes me really love them there is just the fact that all the other positions, it's a very weird spot. So happy to take one of them in round six. If not, man, I don't know what's taking so long with Trey Lance's ADP in some of these other leagues. He is the QB7 over at Underdog Fantasy and a lot of high stakes leagues like best ball leagues. I think tend to have sharper uh, ADPs and it takes a whole time for places like ESPN, Yahoo to catch up. Looking at consensus ADP though, Trey Lance going off the board as the QB 13. We don't see quarterbacks that run as much as him bust. Right now, PFF projects him as one of, I think, five or six quarterbacks to clear 125 rush attempts. And just using that number, man, we've only had actually 13 quarterbacks hit that over the past uh, decade. Only one of them failed to be a top 12 quarterback on a per-game basis. So I'm not just rewarding the guys that played 17 games, but only 2020 Cam Newton, who was the QB 17, with that Patriots receiving core that made Tom Brady look washed for crying out loud failed to do it so we talk about the McCaffrey's the receiving running backs of the world when they have multiple means of getting this production they become the closest thing we have in fantasy the cheat codes it's the exact same thing with these dual threat quarterbacks like yeah guys like Joe Burrow who I'm really fading around five or six even guys like you know Tom Brady Matthew Stafford when they don't when they're giving you nothing as a rusher like we don't need Kyler and Jalen Hurst to throw for 5,000 yards man it's one of those things where you know passing yards are one passing yard is point or uh, uh, yeah point 04 fantasy points one rushing yard is point 1 so like just any time we can get rush attempts instead of pass attempts uh we'll take that the quarterback position
0: yeah so how high are you on Jalen Hurts cuz he's the quarterback that I've been eyeing a lot how high are you on him and i guess when is the earliest you would be comfortable taking him
1: i he's my QB6 i've seen people rank him as high as the QB3 i think you'd be hard pressed to rank him any lower uh than QB6 Round six is a sweet spot for him. I'm not going to go out of my... Round five's fine. Uh, Round five or round six, again, for Jalen Hurts or Kyler Murray, those are the two guys consistently falling there. If Mahomes falls there or Herbert falls there, that's fine. Again, I really... I don't have that strong of an opinion on the difference between a lot of these guys there. Hurts, Kyler, Herbert, Mahomes, and Josh Allen, basically, uh, going where they're going. Just give me kind of the cheapest ones that end up falling there, and I'll take some baller running backs and wide receivers uh, in the meantime. I will say the one thing with Hurts it is concerning for me in dynasty still seeing him as like a top five, top six quarterback. That's where I'd be concerned because this Mm -hmm. wasn't offense last year that let's face it, they had to change the entire offensive scheme about six, seven weeks into the season. When having Jalen hurts, throw the ball around the yard, wasn't getting the job done. I saw the wide receivers. I put together, you know, a minute plus long video clip of all the drops and what Jalen Rager did at the end of that giants game, my freaking Mm -hmm. goodness. But Mm -hmm adding AJ Brown there. It better work, man, because if the Eagles did all this stuff to get AJ Brown, DeVonte Smith, and we have a full season's worth of Jalen Hurts not, you know, putting the ball in the money with wide receivers running open everywhere now. Hey, we see how quickly the quarterback movement uh is nowadays and I just wonder, as as much as Trey Lance in the uh, not Trey Lance, as much as Jalen Hurts in the year 2022 is a rock solid QB one. I do wonder about an underwhelming season, and if the Eagles consider their roster in a, in a complete win now mode, which I think is very fair. Just look at freaking every position, basically, uh, <laughs> what they could be thinking about uh, going out and getting their quarterback. And but Jalen, you need to have a team willing to run him as much as he runs. Basically, I, I, I just worry sometimes about the opportunities that he'll get elsewhere if it doesn't come together this year. If it does come together, we're looking at a complete fantasy difference maker. He could be the overall QB1. I just wonder next year, man, like could he be the QB2 in Philly? Not behind Minshew or something like that, but I just, again, it's concerned to me how they had to go and become this, let's face it, a little bit of a gimmicky, the most run-heavy offense in the league from week 7 through 18 last season. Clearly that wasn't what Nick Sirianni wanted to do. That's why they went out and got A.J. Brown. Let's go, Jalen. If it's if it's gonna work, it's gonna work great. If not, again, that's where I'm. Uh, I'd be concerned about the future.
0: I feel like it was a bit underreported how they essentially changed everything by a week seven point and basically made it more comfortable for Jalen Hurts, and it worked to their credit. But going back to reality for a second on fantasy, Philadelphia does have two first-round picks come next year, which I think could become very valuable if he's not the guy they believe. I thought they might look at it this year when they had three first-round picks going into the offseason and look at a Russell Wilson, who I know their owner loves and their GM loved, and they actually wanted to draft him back when he came out, and they just missed out on him. They weren't too serious on that front, so they're sticking with Jalen Hurts for this year, but he could be a great fantasy quarterback and still be back in that situation next year where they might look for somebody else, but I do like him fantasy especially because of his running abilities a couple more here that i want to hit on with you before we wrap this up who are some of your do not draft guys at their current ADP right now where you have it? Give me a couple of, I guess, running backs and receivers where you look at it right now.
1: That is the key at the at the ADP. I don't believe yes. in a full-fledged do not draft list. You can always have a draft with enough weird rules or enough rounds to make everyone draftable at some point. So, just real quick, I mentioned them before at QB, but yeah, I'm not taking Josh Allen in round two or three. I'm taking Jalen Hurst or Kyler Murray in round six. I'm not taking Joe Burrow in round five or six. I would gladly Take Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins in round nine or ten or beyond. So that's the key with a lot of these players. It's looking at kind of their archetype and trying to find the value later. So Nick Chubb in round two, we talked about it, man. If Kareem Hunt and DeAndre Johnson are going to be back, unfortunately, Nick Chubb, who if you want to call the best real life running back in the NFL, I will not disagree with you, but he's two injuries away from getting a workhorse role last year with Kareem hunt in the lineup. He averaged 17.5, uh, carries and targets per game without Kareem hunt. He averaged 17.6. They don't trust Nick Chubb on passing downs for some reason, man. No, I Kareem hunt's much better. Like I'm not disagreeing with that. And, I saw De'Aaron Johnson. He did some good things, too. It's Nick Chubb. Can we just throw the guy the ball sometimes? But it's the offense that Stefanski is running up there. And unfortunately, when I see Chubb in round two, I just think that there's guys like Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones, De'Andre Swift, Leonard Fournette. Historically, one target in full PPR fantasy football is equivalent to about 2.7 carries in terms of projected points. So it's one of those things where Nick Chubb is just going to have to be trying to outscore guys that could be, you know, having 100 plus more touches more than him. So it's just, you know, relative to that, I'm going to take the still very talented running backs like Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones. These aren't scrubs by any stretch of the imagination Mm -hmm. with the far more fantasy friendly workloads. It's the same thing with Debo Samuel, man, just him going in round two. I really think there's a lot more questions here than people are giving uh than giving credit for I think he kind of belongs in that round three even round four muddled wide receiver mess because looking at the switch from Jimmy G to Trey Lance could be a problem also look at George Kittle and Brandon I breakout star at camp like this is a rare offense where they probably don't need to force feed the ball or Debo Samuel if they don't want to because they have that many talented players around him and just like I talked about before, we want targets, not rush attempts. Now, if we have a wide receiver that gets rush attempts in addition to their targets and it doesn't impact it, that's fine. We'll take more touches overall. We don't want rush attempts replacing targets like they were doing for Debo down the stretch of last season. And the common stat is people don't worry about it because he averaged 21 PPR points per game in the first eight weeks. And once they kind of move him the running back, he only – average like one less he was still at 20 that's because like, he was the most efficient rusher in all of football man and just his expected points plummeted and he was able to just keep on keeping on because he's an absolute baller but if that offensive line takes a step back I and mean, Debo just isn't freaking the best player in the league if he's just top 10 or top 20 instead which is reasonable I think uh, we could really see him fail to meet that value so that's the thing with Debo and Chubb man I'm not We're not drafting them around a bunch of scrubs. We're drafting them around fellow really talented players. And when I look at these guys, like I feel much more confident in my ability to predict the workload. So if I see Debo versus, you know, a CD Lamb or a Tyreek Hill or Devontae Adams, and I just think there could be a legit 30-40 target difference, I'm going to take the guys I'm just more confident in getting the football more often kind of putting the talent uh, aside and finally I would just say again that RB dead zone the rounds four through seven the Josh Jacobs uh, Gibson's kind of falling out of it these days but uh, Elijah Mitchell's of the world like don't feel like even if you get a lot of wide receivers early like it's okay to just make a strength you know a freaking superpower don't be afraid to just keep getting those great wide receivers because when you start getting to rounds seven through nine you still have legit viable RB twos like Chase Edmonds Kareem Hunt and Cordero Patterson just going Going way past, I think, where they should be going. So the running backs in rounds four through seven Debo, Nick Chubb, these are the guys that, again, at ADP, I'm just not consistent coming away with much of them.
0: Yeah, the one guy I did write down over here was Debo Samuel. I don't know if last year's the way he was handled is sustainable this year. And we had all the reports about him. And if he wants to be a running back, doesn't want to be a running back. In fact, he does have in his contract incentives to match what he did last year, but I don't think they're going to be using him as much. I just don't think what he did last year will be able to be done again this year, especially with the quarterback change as well with all the other pieces that they have in that offense. The last thing I want to do with you here is we talked about this a little bit in the last episode, but now we've had OTAs, we've had training camp, we've had a few preseason games. Are there any of these rookies jumping out at you as guys who you think can make an impact on a fantasy team? There are three guys I want to mention here. Let me give it to you. There's one guy I've been all in on this entire training camp. Isaiah Likely is one. Romeo Dobbs in Green Bay is two. And then George Pickens in Pittsburgh is number three. Anybody else besides those guys? How do you feel about those guys as well?
1: Yeah, with likely I moved him up to a tight end 24 I still don't think he's someone that we should be drafting more times than not but man can't say enough good things just about what he's doing out there it's just this is still going to be a run first offense that is going to go through Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman so hey there's worse things out there than to have just a really good player on your team but I just think more times than not likely is probably gonna be someone we just look at a little more on the waiver wire It's, it's I want players to be doing good in preseason. I don't want them to be doing bad, but the biggest takeaway of preseason that we can, I think, you know, make actionable in fantasy football is more so the first team usage. And yeah, Baltimore in 2019, you know, they did actually have the third most dropbacks with more than one tight end on the field. Over the last two years though, they've actually ranked, you know, much more uh, middle of the pack, 23rd and most recently 14th. So, I've seen the wide receiver room. Maybe it can happen, but two tight end offenses historically. Really tough time getting both of those guys uh, going. Actually, since 2010, only Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez one year, and then Ertz and Goddard another year. Only time we've seen two top-12 tight ends out of the same offense. So just a matter of volume for likely. Pickens, he's going, like, Still in the wide receiver 50-60 range. I'm fine with him. I'm fine, I'm fine with Claypool there. Deontay is kind of the guy that I've been just a little more hesitant about because of all the issues under center and just the uncertain target share. So Pittsburgh situation, I'm just not getting a ton of exposure to the passing game in general. Although, just again, you see you see all the uh, you know, why people <laughs> believe he's such a dog. I I'm, I'm prepared to be uh, you know, wrong there. Romeo Dobbs. <sighs> I see the Aaron Rodgers and him going to lunch. Fantastic storyline we got going on there. But it's just one of these things that's offense. I could see all of these wide receivers just – Being good, not great. You know, still having Watkins, Cobb, and Alan Lazard. Like, they're the ones sitting out being projected as the starters. I still wouldn't be surprised if Christian Watson, now that he's healthy, he has a chance to maybe go in there and make some more noise. So, Dobbs, relative to most fourth-round rookie wide receivers, yeah, I think he'll uh, be able to go out there and make some splash plays, but actually projecting him as someone that's going to be, you know, a viable fantasy guy week to week, that's where I'm, you know, a little bit more down on it. So, the four rookies that I would say – Yeah, four rookies I think we can expect the most from starting in week one. Drake London, who's been banged up. a similar thing to Irv Smith, man. Like, it's still a role, and we know he's injured, which isn't ideal. But we also know the injury isn't considered overly severe. So when Drake London gets there in week one, inside of arguably the weakest wide receiver room in the entire league, now that they got rid of Auden Tate, like with (laughs) with, uh, London there, man, we can legit see him. Getting the eight to ten targets per week, like he kind of reminds me, he's a little more expensive than Jalen Waddle was last year. But this is a wide receiver forty-one for a guy that went inside the top ten. We know is insanely talented. Like, yeah, the quarterback situation isn't fantastic, but okay, that's clearly being baked into the guy's ADP at this point. When he's going behind, you know, a bunch of other guys that are looking far more likely to be the number two, number three in their offense, I'm fine throwing a latest round dart at London. Same thing with Jahan Dotson. Mentioned him earlier. I just wanted to sleepers I like and they're running back man Damian Pierce and Brian Robinson look like the yes. two guys that are going to have the biggest week one roles Brees Hall should be pretty involved too but it's going to be more of a one-two punch with him and Michael Carter than I think people are anticipating and hell, we could even see like someone like Tevin Coleman uh, stealing a few snaps here that's just what LaFleur and uh, that offense did last year the Jets were one of only two or three teams I think that didn't have a single game all season with a running back over 75% snaps. so Damian Pierce Typically, we never see round four, day three running backs, period, doing much. Like, yeah, we had James Robinson. There's James Robinson, Jordan Howard, Zach Stacy like two other running backs over the past decade, man, that have pulled this off and been a top 24 uh, performer as a rookie. So when I hear like, who's going to be this year's James Robinson, like try this decades, James Robinson, because those really don't happen uh, that often, but to Damian Pierce's credit, you know, coming from uh, I'm not the biggest college football guy, but you know, when the, when the coach that he was playing under got fired before the season ended and you kind of look at the wasted talent we've seen in Florida a little bit over the years, but guys like uh, Kadarius Tony as well, you can start to wrap your mind around why Pierce, you know, didn't get the, ball a little bit more uh during his time there so the fact that he did get starters rest already in preseason week two i think damian pierce is a great zero rb target and then with brian robinson probably gotta draft him over antonio gibson at this point it is absolutely wild how quickly things have spiraled out of control for gibson but They made Robinson the starter. It looks like he's going to get the high leverage uh, goal line work. I would say don't get too carried away, you know, in some of these backfields, you know, same thing with like Las Vegas. Like we just, we keep trying to figure out who's going to be the guy. And when there's three or four running backs involved, a lot of times the answer, it can just be no. So with Robinson, even Pierce, who I still think is going to be rotating a lot, I'm not getting too carried away. Like I've seen some drafts where these guys are going like round six, round seven. No, do not do that. But just in terms to the other rookies, like projecting week one touch counts, I think we're gonna see a lot of Pearson Robinson from
0: day one yeah I think Damian Pierce is definitely one I I probably should have mentioned in the the original question as well but um I talked talked about him with Mike Renner here on last week's episode he thinks he's the RB1 already there He did not understand why he fell to the fourth round as well. He thinks that he will definitely be involved um, big time there in Houston. I did bring in a video here of just Aaron Rodgers talking about Romeo Dobbs. I want to quickly play it because the way he talked about it made it sound like he is somebody that they're going to be using a lot. Let me just quickly play that for everybody here. Bob's done a lot of really nice things, but I think the standard for him is not going to be maybe the standard for, for a normal rookie that we've had here in the past, especially in the past, I don't know, four or five years. Um,
2: you know, because he's going to be expected to play uh, based on his performance so far, I can. So we got to hold him to uh, to a standard that I know he's capable of reaching,
0: but he cares about it, he's a great kid. He's made some instinctual plays that are, you know, just can't really coach. Yeah, so does that by any chance change your opinion? Because we all know that the Aaron Rodgers getting his trust means a lot. It feels like based off training camp that he's done that. How are you with that a little bit?
1: I, I hear it, but we can also play the clip where he's talking about Alan Lazard, you know, finally getting the chance to be the wide receiver one after kind of being the scrappy guy over the years. So it's just one of these things, man, where, yeah, Dobbs has been making a lot of flashy plays. But if you do read the Packers training camp reports, they'd note that there have been, you know, some inopportune drops, you know, thrown in the mix as well. So it's just once again, it seems like one of these things where we're making a little bit too much out of training camp and preseason highlights. And I I hear the words from Rodgers, but look at this offense, man. Like, are we positive that... Walkins, who's been resting seemingly with the starters. I know he was on the pup to start, so maybe there's managing yeah. it. But it sure seems like Walkins is going to make the Week One roster. Just the, he's not playing for his job, so I don't know what else he'd be doing. Right, Lazard, and then in the slot it's going to be Cobb and Rogers. So it's it's one of these things, man. Walkins is such like a progress stopper at this point in his career. Like we saw it last year, man. Rashad Bateman couldn't get a full time role until later in the season because of Sammy Walkins, and it, it's weird. You know, the the way it's going, but I still think Romeo Dobbs is probably someone that will look good on 40, 50 targets, you know, versus 90 to 100. And the answer to which Packers wide receiver could very well be no. And it's a a big reason why I think more than anything, they're going to flow this offense through their two best players, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon.
0: Yeah, but Matt definitely did. Uh, was it? It was actually Aaron Rodgers who mentioned that he could see a scenario where both those running backs actually get fifty plus catches this year if the receivers aren't living up to how they are supposed to play. It'll be fascinating to watch all of that here as the season is right around the corner. Ian, I want to thank you for coming on. Everyone can follow you on Twitter. It is at iheartit's. Once again, go to pff.com, get a free week of PFF Plus. Check out all the fantasy tools betting tools, player grades, and much more there. Check out all of Ian's articles, all of Dwayne's articles, everyone on the fantasy team, Nathan Yonke as well. They all do a great job there. And we will be back once again next week with another guest. As I said, the season is around the corner, and we are right there. I mean, the 53-man rosters will be set at this time next week, and we'll have all the updates here for you by then. See you then.